Hi everyone, welcome to the Raw Show with Michael McDonald and I have a very special guest. We have Catherine Plano joining me today. Catherine, thank you for being a guest on the show. You are most welcome. Looking forward to it. Can't wait. As an internet, in, start there, start that again. As an international executive coach and creative soul adventurer, Catherine has dedicated her entire life to helping others transform their own lives into greatness. With more, with more than two decades of flourishing corporate activities and lead countless renowned companies touching a hundred thousand lives through spiritual and mental revelation. Catherine's continued her mission of aiding companies and individuals in becoming aware of their limitless potential and using extraordinary abilities to achieve their desired outcomes. Well, that's a bit of a, it's a bit of a mouthful, isn't it, Catherine? To be honest, there's, there's a it lot that there's a lot that goes on. Um, yeah, I thought we'd we'd start with a bit about you, really. If that's all right. So, would you be able to to share with us where you were born and what it was like for you growing up? Yeah, sure. So I was born in France in Briançon, which is the south of France. And um, I was seven when I came to Australia. My parents immigrated uh, to Australia in Melbourne uh, for work. I still have all my family in uh, France, but I have my immediate family here in Australia. And we moved around quite a lot. So I got very used to not having friends at school and uh, being the new kid on the block. We moved, basically, it felt like every year, uh, moving from one place to another for my dad's work. And we grew up in a household where we sat down and had dinner every night together. There was no TV. We didn't watch the news. We didn't have newspapers. And still today, I live that like my life like that. I actually don't watch the news. I don't read a newspaper. Uh, so we were very much into living life. And I think that's a very French thing, isn't it? Uh, joie de vie. They know how to live life. And even when I have my... Uh, cousins that come to Australia, they say, boy, you Australians work so hard. But when you leave this planet, you can't take all of this stuff with you. And it's like, yeah, you're so right. Um, and when you go to France, they just enjoy life. And I think that every time I go back and then I come back to Australia, I just slow it down a little pace. Um, but yeah, life has always been, you know, just very family orientated, very close with my family. And uh, I'm a very big family person. Right. So, so when did so, so when did you you realise that running a business was was for you? Did it did it always be like that, or did you have jobs previously? What was that like? No, I started. I think I was a, an entrepreneur at a very young age. I started very young, so I was into. Um, I've I've always and my sister always says, uh, you've always come up with ideas so when somebody talks me talks to me about something I'm going oh you should start up a business this da, 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 da. you know like I'm very creative so yeah. I'm constantly thinking of ways to turn things into a business I think that's just my natural mindset so very young I started a business at a very young age in my 20s uh, and it was actually a healing center so I worked with a lot of the etheric stuff and um uh, it was probably ahead of its time. So back then it probably was a bit, and we were talking about years ago, um, a little bit woo-woo, uh, but now it's very accepted. So if you talk about reflexology, um, you know, doing um, meditation, mindfulness, that kind of stuff, very accepted nowadays, but back then not so much. So um, 
Yeah, I did start at a very young age. And I think my realization was when I had this healing center, and I did work in a lot of healing centers because I always wanted to help people. That was one of my, I knew that that was my purpose in life. Um, and there was no doubt in my mind, you know, I was always helping people in some way, shape or form. And having this healing center, I, I realized that people were very dependent on me and I really didn't feel like I was empowering them. And I did lots of studies. I studied with lots of different uh, gurus, teachers, shamans, you name it, from all over the world and for many years. And then I realized that I actually wasn't feeling satisfied when my clients were walking out because they kept coming back in. I wanted my clients to be empowered. So I started delving into neuroscience, neurolinguistics, and really started unpacking the brain and the mindset. Uh, and that's how I got to where I am today. So I've been doing that for about 23, 24 odd years. And that's how I help individuals and businesses um, work uh, with themselves first. Right. So how, how do you have the conversations with, with businesses and, <clears throat> and with people that do run their own businesses? Because from the beginning, it, it for, especially from the outside looking in, it can definitely seem like people have this, this idea that if I just do the, if we just get the basics right, if we just get the, the sales right or the marketing right or the product or the service right and the, the business will just work, it will just run. Where it's starting, I think it's starting to become more well known now that the, the mind's becoming more and more and more important. But for someone that, that might not, be at that point yet to have to have those conversations with them or, or not oh absolutely so i always like to tell me a little bit about you first i want to understand a little bit about their background are they uh, you know um are they their first child second child third child um tell me about your family tell me about your hobbies i really want to unpack the individual get a bit of an understanding because we're all conditioned uh, by our environment. So when you think about when a child is first born at its development phase, right up to the age of seven, we're very much conditioned by our environment. Our brain is conditioned by our environment. And what I mean by that is things like um, what you saw on TV, what you read, um, the relationships you had with your siblings, your parents, your teachers, all of that makes who you are and this is our imprinting phase so i really like to unpack that and then we go into that next phase of our modeling phase so who inspired you and and what did you aspire to be at that age of 7 to 14 and that gives me a bit of an understanding of their identity as well so i really go deep i do a lot of deep work before i even work on their business because most of the time what i find is we actually get in our own way of success or in our own way of business. It's, you know, the marketing stuff and all of that stuff, that's all the fluffy stuff. That's all the surface stuff. But we need to do the deep work. So I'll always start with the individual first, always. Right. So what, what does that look like? What does the what does the, um, the conversation look like? What does the communication look like? So if, if someone comes to you and they are quite sceptical of the idea of whether it be mindset you call it or or spiritual side of things if, if they're not really convinced what's what sort of conversations do you have or how do you sort of do you describe it in a way that that makes them understand it a bit better 
Mm. So I, I, I guarantee my work, and I know there's a big statement, but I do. I actually guarantee my work because I make sure as long as the people put, put in the work and do the deep work, I guarantee your outcome. So, you know, I think that it starts with a discovery session. So a discovery session is really me listening to them and um, them telling me their story. I need to understand. I have a series of questions that I go through just to get a better understanding. Like, you know, just talk, tell me, talk me through um, your growing years. You know, uh, I'd love to understand that. And talk me through some of those things that stands out for you, you know, growing up. What are those big insightful moments that always plays in your mind that light you up like a Christmas tree? Like, I want to hear about the good stuff as well. Um, because a lot of the times when you're actually working with individuals, there's always um, stuff that's getting in their way, you know, and it's maybe um, from a, a business point of view, it's maybe not having enough money, always struggling for money. And if I have a look at myself, so I'm, I'm going to share my story. Um, if I have a look at my parents immigrated from France to Australia, didn't speak the language, uh, worked very hard, almost seven days a week to uh, make a living. Uh, and there was, you know, back in, in those days, it was one of those things where, uh, you know, I saw my parents work really hard for money all the time. And so if I have a look at my, my brother and my sister and myself, we have this belief that we have to work hard for our money. So therefore we work so hard, like to the point where I had burnt out, um, you know, I had a breakdown in 2011. And that was my big aha moment because I realized that why am I constantly working? Because I do love what I do. And that's the trap. When you love what you do in life, it's like you never work a day in your life. Um, but what happens was I realized that I actually was, it was this old program that was running in my mind um, from my imprinting stage when I was seven because I saw my mum and dad work so hard to earn money that I had this belief that I had to work hard to earn money. And so I had to shift my belief. That was a limiting belief that I had. I had to shift my belief that I just had to work smarter to work, to make money, not so much harder. And I see that same pattern in my brother and the same pattern in with my sister. We just work really, really hard for our money. So that, you know, when you unpack the mind, you can see, this is why it's really understanding the stories. Um, you know, you can, you can actually have a look at, wow, um, uh, you know, that had a huge impact on who I am today. And another story I love to share is because I had so much responsibility at such a young age. I was looking after my family at the age of 10. So I was cooking dinners, lunches, making sure my brother and sister went to school. I had so much responsibility that deeply inside of me, there is a resistance to responsibility. Yeah, so well, it wasn't until much later in life I realized I had a fear of success. And yeah. I linked to that too because every time my business went really well or my relationships went really well, I would sabotage it. And uh, I actually linked that responsibility uh, that I had was a bit of a burden. So the success to me was if you're going to be success in your business, Catherine, there is a level of responsibility that comes with that. And so you can see how this plays out. So it's why it's really important to unpack the mind because I can't work with the individual on their business if I don't know what's getting in their way. Yeah. 
yeah definitely so to, to have to have a particular process that you you take people through in those initial stages if you've got um maybe a particular set of questions or any any of that kind of things it's just so that the, the, the people listening might actually be able to take themselves through it and and then benefit as a result yeah, I it's, so at the start, it's a conversation. I don't have a series of questions as per se because I I think that what's really important is it's got to be uh, the conversation has to flow. Um, so the discovery session is a series of questions. Although I do have, um, uh, you know, before I start working with anybody, I do have questions that for them to ponder over. Um, and some of these questions... Uh, would be really to get an understanding. What do they want out of this session? Like for um, uh, working with me, I want them to be really clear about what areas do they want to develop, okay? And also what will they benefit or gain out of these uh, areas being developed? Um, And then I also, also ask them what could get in their way? What would prevent them from achieving those goals that they want to achieve? Because I think it's really important to be really clear about um, and I, I'm sure you've heard of the be, do, have model. Most of us focus on having, having more money, more, uh, a more successful business, a better, rela- whatever that may be, the outcome. It's always about having. And what that does, that creates us being reactive as an individual. So we're working really hard to have the things we want to have. And how that lets us be is then overworked, overwhelmed and stressed out. So I like to reverse engineer it. I say, what do you want to be? What do you want to be? Just make it really simple. What do you want to be? And people get really stuck on that, you know, and it might be like, I want to be successful. And I go, let's go deeper. What do you want to be? I just want to be happy. Okay. So if you want to be happy, what does that look like for you? Well, and then they start, you know, listing off all these things that they want to do that make them happy. And in the end, when they're actually just focusing on that one thing, what do I want to be? In the end, they're going to end up having those things they want to have. Does that make sense? Working back the front, like reverse engineering the process? Yeah, it does. And I quite like the idea of working on the things that are stopping people as well. So in, in, in a lot of conversations that, that I've had, it's almost like um, a river or a lake. Like it, mm-hmm. it's going to flow smoother and faster when there's less in the way, you know, when there's less of those like pebbles or, or rocks in the way. It looks a lot nicer. It runs a lot smoother and the, the river flows a lot faster as well. And I quite like the analogy that, that you drew as well about having to, to start from what you actually want to be first and I guess mm. I'd, I'd be curious to know if you've experienced anyone or may, maybe a business that you've worked with that's, that actually struggles with with that side of things all the time that's one of the biggest people when you go what is it that you want out of life if people are really uh, not everyone but it's it's an easy question for them to answer because they 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 know what they want to have i want more money i want my business to be more successful i want ten thousand more clients you know they can quite easily talk about that but when you make it as simple as what do you want to be they do really get stuck and this is why it's really important when you're actually uh looking at that aspect of the individual we're a human being right so we're here to be uh that whatever that is for you and 
I think that then when they connect with what do you want to be, I then then really unpack then what's getting in your way of being what you want to be. And most of the time, you when we unpack that, it could be a lack of trust. It could be that you know, as simple as um, they've had people that have that they people they've cared about and loved very much that they've had strong connections with have. Um, broken their trust in some way, shape or form. So then their, their approach is I don't trust anybody. And how can you go into business when you don't trust people? And, and that shows up because when you think about how we communicate, we communicate in three ways. We communicate through our body language. We communicate in the way that we speak, in our tone, and we communicate with our words. The strongest form of communication is our body language, which is 55% of our communication. Now, if I'm about to have a meeting with you, Michael, and then um, I don't actually really trust you, you're going to pick up on it because that 55% of my body is saying, I don't trust you. And that's that nonverbal communication. And straight away, you're going to go, oh, I don't feel right about this person. So, you know, when people um, don't have a lot of trust as a whole, they don't connect with people. And then they wonder, they, they wonder why they find it really hard to get customers. So then we unpack that. Where does that come from? Where does that belief come from? And how do we shift that? Right, so it seems, at least to me, that a lot of these things tend to happen like quite long ago in the past that seem yes. to to resurface when the the cycle reassociates itself like so something happens that you, you associate with something that happened in the past and then causes certain actions or thoughts to resurface would i be right in saying that absolutely absolutely everything like even i some of my clients i've worked with I've got amazing businesses, you know, amazing businesses and amazing platforms that worked really hard and they just don't get the money that they want to get, you know. And then when we unpack that, I call them money blocks. So let's, what's that? What's that all about? Talk me through that. You know, what is that limiting belief come from? Well, I always saw my parents argue over money all the time. So in my mind, I thought money was evil. So I don't want to have a lot of money because I don't want to bring that evil into my life or I don't want to have arguments. So they're actually unconsciously pushing money away because they have this belief that money will bring them arguments. So it does start from your imprinting phase. You know, when we first, our our brain was first developed by our environment and that plays a big part on who we are today at an unconscious level. So we're not even conscious of it. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. This, this, this tends to, there was, um, I can't remember, it was a metaphor or a story or, or something, I can't remember, where there was, there was two twins that had um, a father who was an alcoholic and, and that sort of thing. And then one of them actually followed in their father's footsteps and ended up being um, an alcoholic and in and out of prison himself and then his, his brother didn't touch anything and was teetotal and was healthy all the time and going to the gym and everything and they both were kind of asked like what what caused them to live that way and they both said their father so they both had the same experience but what they took from that experience could be different so is, 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 it, is there anything that, that you could share on, on that? Yeah, I've heard that story too, actually. Uh, Absolutely. So I think that there's a lot of things. So 
I mean, individually, you don't know. Yes, they had the same father. You don't know what what else, uh, what kind of impact impacted their environment. So the relationship with their friends, their relationship with their, you know, their mother and so forth. So one may have been very connected to the father. I mean, you see this with siblings. There's always one that's more connected to the father and the other one's more connected to the mother. So out of those two brothers, one may have been more connected to the mother than the father. I mean, we don't know exactly what what went on and absolutely it's our perception as a child you know so as as a child one would have gone well i really love my father i look after uh, i look up to him and therefore i'm going to be behave like him because he inspires me and i aspire him to aspire to be like him but the other one could have been closer to the mother and his perception his father's like and especially if he was um a little bit um abrupt towards the mother, the brother would have gone, I actually resent my dad and I actually don't like the way he's treating my mother. I don't want to be anything like my dad. So there is a lot more depth that into, I have heard that story, but there's a flip side of that. We don't know what happened, you know, at, at that age. We don't know the full story. That's just, once again, the surface story. Mm -hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah, uh, I guess it echoes for for I guess myself and, and and listeners as well that you've got to you do you do actually have to go deeper in order to get clearer as well. Like because from from the outside looking, you could just say, oh well, I, I learnt from my family that money might be hard to earn or whatever happens to be using your example. But you you've got to go deeper before you can actually do anything with that because you you can have that you can have that information, but that doesn't actually help you in terms of, okay, well, what can I actually do about this? So what, what certain things did, did you know that might actually benefit people when, when, yeah. you have that, when you have that situation where people might know these sorts of things, people might know all the belief side of things, but that doesn't, doesn't actually help them when it comes to, to actually doing something about it. And I use this, I use this um, story or analogy as well, where it's like, so something's actually worse when you know it's happening. So it's, it's like being, being fully aware that you're going to get hit by this football makes it worse than actually not knowing that you're going to get hit by this football. So if, if people are actually aware of what's happening, they're aware of the beliefs, they're aware of what's affecting them, but they can't do anything about it. What advice would you have for those people? Yeah. So if you, if we stay on the same topic, for example, uh, as I was saying before, like with money, you know, like uh, one of my clients, you know, the whole money thing, a money block sometimes and how this works out is uh, what do we do about it? So for example, it could be that, you know, obviously if you had been brought up in an environment where there was arguments around money, you might think that money has a belief that money brings arguments, but then sometimes it's a self-worth thing, you know, like some people actually feel uncomfortable about receiving money, you know, so, you know, they're the type of people that will do things for free or, you know, the people pleasers or I'll, I'll, I'll do this for 50% or they give their time away, right? And so what I like to do is like, what is that unconscious belief, you know, or even my one, I, I, like I said, I sabotage. So every time I, my business was um, uh, successful or I had money, I, you know, I didn't ever felt comfortable because um, I thought that um, there, was there was a lot of responsibility that came with money. So I used to always 
um, sabotage money and found it really hard to save money. So my unconscious belief, if I unpack that, was saving money was too hard because, you know, once again, my, my parents, I saw them work really hard, but I don't know that they saved money. And so if my belief that was that saving money is too hard, my unconscious thinking would be I am not good at saving money right? And then my unconscious behavior would be, I would be impulsive with my money. So, and this actually happened. I used to buy clothes every week. And the result is I never had enough money to pay my bills or my credit cards were always over the top. Mm -hmm. So then what we do is we do this thing where we do a 21 day focus. So it takes 21 day days to create new neural pathways in the brain. And that's 21 consecutive days to create your neural pathways. It takes 44 to build muscles and 66 to embed it. Like, so you embed a new behavior or a new belief. So then once we understand unconsciously the belief, the thinking and the behavior, what I then do is let's work at the conscious level. So if we were to flip that and reverse engineer it, you could say, okay, saving money is easy and necessary. Okay, then how I would think is then I am good at saving money and my behavior, what I did, and this is true, I really did. I actually opened up an ING ING account where I had money coming out of my account every week. So I didn't see it. So I could actually, I actually, well, my result was I was actually increasing my bank balance and saving money and started to feel confident. And I did that for 21 days. So as you can see, when we unpack unconsciously what's going on at that deeper level, we can start working consciously and shifting those limiting beliefs. Mm, yeah, it, it definitely seems to me at least that the, the more clear we are around the beliefs and the thoughts that we're having and, and all of those kinds of things, it makes the, the actions that we take a lot easier and you're more likely to, to take the right actions as well because there are so many mm-hmm. people that, that it's, it's almost like they're, they're trying to take loads of action, they're trying to you know, just do, do, do the work and there's this big hustle movement going on at the minute amongst entrepreneurs and it gets to a point where sometimes it's better to, to just take like three very, very clear action steps rather than trying to like fill your day with like 20 hours worth of work and and all of those kinds of things. It does does give the impression um, that that it's it's starting with the inner work that does make the the life easier in long term at least. Oh, absolutely. And and a good point you just brought up then, Michael, was that um, it is about – you know, working on your business, not in your business, because I think as entrepreneurs and as business owners, we, we, like you said, we hustle, we're right in it. You know, we're in the business that we actually don't stop and step back and actually pause and actually look at what's really going on. And I think that was my big aha moment too, is that when I stepped away from my business and actually was working on my business instead of in my business, wow, what a shift in my perception and it shifted to how I was doing my business as well. I wasn't just, you know, working stupid hours and chasing my tail. I was actually being more strategic about my approach. And, you know, it's like even like for now, I can actually turn around and say no. And that took me years because I know strategically what my plan is for this year and I'm going to stick to it instead of saying yes to everyone. 
<laughs> yeah. Yeah. All right. So the you you mentioned that it takes sixty six days, I think, to embed something in the brain in terms of like making things a habit. Is is there a reason why it takes that long? Well, it's just from neuroscience research. You can look, 21 days, if you do it for 21 days, you're starting to create a shift. So, and then it becomes habitual. Anything that we do over time and on and repeat it over and over again, it actually just um, makes it a habit with anything that you do. It's like uh, going to the gym. And I think that, you know, quite often I'll always say, you know, when I run some sessions, I do this analogy like stand up if you've ever bought gym equipment or a gym membership and everyone stands up. Okay, stay standing up if you've actually built muscle from your gym membership or your gym equipment. Some people start sitting down. So you can see that initially when we have this great idea that I want to get fit or healthy or lose weight, you know, we get into it. But we don't, we don't really, uh, we're not strategic about it. We just dive into it. And I think a lot of businesses do that. They just dive into it, right? And then I'll say, stay, remain standing up if you continue to build muscle uh, from your gym membership and gym equipment today. And a lot of people sit down. Very rarely do I have a person that stands up. And the whole purpose of this exercise is that you know, you can see how much forward thinking, how much planning went into uh, ahead of time. Um, and also what they did is, you know, I think that what we don't do as businesses, we dive into ideas, but we don't look at the consequences of what could get in our way or stop us from achieving what we need to get. And I think if we don't have the consequences or understand what the consequences are in everything that we do, that means we don't have a plan B. And that means that we can fall flat on our face. So I think it's really important that, you know, this is going back to working on your business instead of in your business. It makes a huge difference. Yeah, sure. Yeah, I would, I would completely agree with that, Catherine. It does just seem that, it does seem almost like it's more about quality over quantity now. Like when we've, we've had this conversation now, we're probably around half an hour now and it does definitely seem to me like we're we're trying to increase the quality of the actions that we're taking rather than just taking as many actions as we possibly can are there any other ways that you can think of that can that can help us increase the quality of our actions yeah i think really important what i do with a lot of business have a business plan in my business plan i built years ago nine years ago and it's changed over time but it's like my bible if i don't have a business plan and you'd be surprised how many businesses and entrepreneurs do not have a business plan um and if you don't have a business plan and then you want maybe say you're in a situation where maybe you want to find partners or investors they want to see a business plan they want to see that you've actually sat down and been strategic about your business and actually looked at it in a methodical way from marketing to finance to even having an exit strategy, which a lot of it, which still, it, it, it's, it, it just, for me, I get still surprised how many businesses and entrepreneurs don't have a business plan. They've just had this great idea, dived into it. And haven't looked at the consequences or the financials or the marketing or even done any research about their competitors or what's out there. They've just come up with this idea and just jumped into it. And I did that myself too. I actually did that, that exactly about 10 years ago. I actually had this idea, went into it and then realized, hang on a minute, I'm diving into something that's completely new. 
back then, like 10 years ago or more than 10 years ago, was coaching was quite, I mean, it was, it was starting to get big, not like now and everyone's, you can get a coach in everything. But I had to strategically think about where to from here because I did work in a corporation. I worked with large corporates and I was getting a lot of money. So for me to live, leave my $150,000 a year to zero, I had to plan ahead. I had to, and I did, I strategically planned. I gave myself 12 months to save up a certain amount of money. And I gave myself 12 months to actually build my business. And because I thought, what's the worst thing that could happen? Well, I have to go back and get a job. And that was the biggest learning lessons for me because I didn't have a marketing department to back uh, back me up. I didn't have a sales department to sell my products and my services. I had to do it all by myself. So a business plan is key, really important to have. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, if, if anyone's listening that's, that's, that's unsure about like whether a business plan will help, then the best thing that you can do is to get as far as you can on it as well. Like there are loads of places where you can you can download like others. You know, I think there's one on, on government websites as well. Like they all have those kind of resources and just get as far as you can, you know. Like when I mm. when I put mine together, sometimes it's hard to, to actually predict certain things because you, you sort of look at the questions and go, I'm not going to know what I'm doing in 10 years, but it's good just to, even even if you just get ideas down, even if, yeah. even if it's almost like journaling, you just write everything down as much as you can, even if you only do half of it, you've still, you've still done the work, you know? Yeah. And you know, even so, like some people go, I don't have to do business plan because, you know, there is a lot of work involved in that. Like I like to work quite diligently on a business plan, but I say, okay, just let's focus on five things. Just five things. The first thing is, you know how I, I say, what do you want to be? It's like, you know, that's a mission statement. So your reason for being here. So what you want to do, be very, very clear about what you want to be. So that's your mission. And then, then work on your vision. You know, why are you doing what you're doing? You know, the big picture. So mission, vision, and then your position, positioning statement. Describe how you do what you do and for who. So then we can start at the market. It doesn't have to be a big business plan, but at least understand, you know, how you're going to do it. And then a value proposition, maybe one sentence that conveys the, the value of what you do for your customers. And then a tagline, something that's quick, uh, catchy statement that people always remember you by. So that's even that. If you don't want to do big big business plan, do those five things at least. Yeah. All right. Mm -hmm. Well, I think we're at a point where we probably need to use the uh, the no stone unturned method now, Catherine. So we're at a point where if there's anything that you think that we need to mention or that we need to talk about or that you think is probably something that is important that we've not quite covered yet. How, what else is there around having the, the spiritual or, or woo-woo side and, and how it can impact people's businesses and companies as well? Yeah, so it's, uh, I love the way you call it woo-woo. Um, and it is woo-woo. I call it woo-woo all the time as well. It just it sounds better with your accent, of course. Um, so... <laughs> 
For me, I did. I actually wrote my second book and it's actually called The Workplace Alchemist, which is a pathway to wisdom for the curious leader. Because what I used to do, as, as I explained before, I did all that woo-woo stuff and I kept it very separate. And then when I got into more of the science stuff and the neuroscience stuff, I got it really separate. And it's only been last year, so last December, that I actually wrote this book that I actually thought they merged together because now we have a lot of um, like quantum uh, physics, we have a lot of support that backs up a lot of that stuff. And I think that it's really important to bring back a little bit of magic into our day. Um, you know, and it could be as simple as, you know, in a business, I always talk about, let's get into that intu intuition. Like, how often do we get a gut feeling about something and we get, um, we ignore it, you know, and, and from uh, a business side of things, you know, I know people, some are entrepreneurs, very intuitive and always listen to their gut feeling and make decisions, business decisions on their gut feeling. Um, and, and it's when you do the deep work, that inner work, you become more sensitive to your environment. And, you know, it doesn't have to be too woo-woo. Like, you, you know, you don't have to have the crystals out and the big, you know, the bells and all that kind of stuff. But it's about doing that inner work. So I always talk about meditation is really important. There's a lot of science around and that supports why meditation is important as a business owner. Uh, but also follow their gut feeling, your intuition. The more that we follow our intuition, the greater it becomes. And it's almost like, I always call it, it's, it's, it's my... Um, Oh, my is my apprentice that works with me, you know, because it's always telling me, Catherine, you can go this way or hang on a minute. If I don't feel right about it, I go, look, can I sit with this and get back to you tomorrow? And then when I've got that time, I actually uh, sit aside and I'll, I might journal. I'm a big writer. I love writing. But journaling unpacks what I'm thinking as well. And then I'll realize that, hang on, I'm not feeling right about this because it's not aligned with my three goals that I've set for myself this year. And I made a promise to myself that I'm not going to get derailed this time uh, by other ideas that come uh, into my um, uh you know, in, into my presence and think they're better or shinier, I'm going to stick to my guns. So I think that intuitively we need to get into, um, uh, do that inner work, you know, whether it's practice mindfulness uh, to be able to step back and actually think about what am I thinking? What am I feeling? And how am I showing up? I think we don't do enough of that in business. Yeah, it's it, it was well put, really, because I think a lot of people look for look for the answers from the outside. Like they all they all look to to try to see what other people have done, or they look for mentors or whatever the case is, which can help. But you need to understand that there's also value in in listening to yourself to try and find the the way that works best for you. And then um, just just getting back to what you said earlier about you know who who you want to be. It's like if you start from from that place, I mean, this is more just me thinking out loud, to be honest, is it, it gets to a point where you might actually get to a different outcome. So if you go like, what do you want? Well, I want more clients. But if, if who you want to be is happier and maybe a, a bit more peaceful, a bit less stressed out, well, you having 10 clients might actually make you more stressed out and maybe more unhappy. But if you start from the place of I want to be happy and and more peaceful and less stressed out, you might get to a different outcome as a result. Absolutely, because you know what? We're actually um, 
I always say we're like, uh, if, if you think about our emotions, our emotions is energy emotion and, and that's our strongest form of energy, right? And this is uh, a magnetic force to your thoughts. This is the energy that connects with like-minded atoms in our planet. And this energy is what manifests your thoughts, your ideas and beliefs into reality. So, you know, from a, a vibrational point of view, we are, and quantum physics proves that now, that what we think and what we believe, we attract. So, you know, this is why it's important to, you know, to, to, to step back and go, what am I feeling? What am I vibrating right now? Because I always look at my environment to give me a clue of what's going on inside of me because I know I'm projecting that into my environment. So if things aren't working out as planned, I'll go, okay, now more, to, it's time to do some deep work because I'm getting in the way here and I need to understand what am I doing to push this away now? So it starts with you always. It's, it's, you know, whatever you believe at that deeper level, you're attracting, you're like a magnet in this universe. You're attracting whatever you vibrate. Yeah. <laughs> it's, uh, there's only so much I could say after that, uh, Catherine, it was, it was well put. Um, right. So uh, we are, we are getting close to the end now. And I thought we would touch on a few things just to, just before we finish. To just, yeah, just to sure. end off on a on yeah. a high note do you have any particular books or resources for our listeners that they can use if they want to find out a bit more about maybe it could be the work that you do or it could be the things that we've spoken about so i'll, I'll let you take it from there yeah, so I do have my book. My book, I, my book is getting to the heart of the matter. It's actually a workbook, so um, it's everything that I talk about. You can actually um, do for yourself. There's lots of activities in the book that you can unpack your own mind, um, and I know it's helped a lot of people and business owners as well to really unpack. And and I've had some of the feedback is wow. I now understand, I had this big aha moment, I now understand why I'm doing what I'm doing and why my business is not working out the way that I want it to work out. So I would say getting to the heart of the matter is, is something um, that uh, would help. Like I said, it's a workbook. So every, everything from questions to activities that I do with my clients are in that book. So it's a fun book. Um, and if you like a little bit of wee-wee uh, and want to be the master of your own energy, I do have my second book coming out probably later on in the year called The Workplace Alchemist. Uh, but there's lots of books. You know, I'm really big into self-help books. I think for me, the reason I put this book together a couple of years ago was, um, you know, for me it was about, you know, getting colourful in your book, you know, get a highlighter, you know, write it all out, draw it out, you know. I think a workbook is the best way to unpack your mind. All right, awesome. And just before we, we finish, where can people go if they want to find out a bit more about you and, and what you've got going on? Sure. So you can check out my website, uh, Catherine at C-A-T-H-E-R-I-N-E Plano, P-L-A-N-O.com. Um, and you can find me there. There's a lot of free stuff. Um, there's, you know, lots of uh, free programs, free lots of things I write uh, every week. Uh, so I do that because I like to inspire and empower uh, people that like to read. Uh, but there's a lot of free stuff on there. All right. Awesome, Catherine. Well, we've got one last question. I ask all my guests this. And it's, what would you like the world to know about you that it doesn't already know? Uh, 
the world to know about me that I, I think it's for me it's really about um, making a difference so I think it, you know I, I talk about it and it, it's funny in my meeting um, just last week we were just saying how do we get to explain exactly what we are all about and I think for me, it's, I believe in global consciousness and I don't know if anybody else has heard of it, but I really believe that the more people we help tap into their potential power, the more the population will become awake to a consciousness shift towards the global mindset for the betterment of all humankind. So I think the more people that we can help, not just ourselves, but when we get those aha moments or those insights, if we can share that with others, we're actually helping the world be a better place from a global consciousness point of view. So I think that it's about, not just about, I want people to understand we're here to make a difference, but for them to help us make a difference by sharing their knowledge as well. Well, Catherine, I think that is probably the, the best way to end. Thanks for being a, a guest on the show. Really appreciate you carving out the time and I'm sure we'll, we'll speak again soon. Thank you so very much, Michael, for having me on the show. It's been awesome.